1: Hello, and welcome back to the League of Ultimate Questions. This Mm. is where we get into the nitty-gritty and answer the questions from you, our fans, kind of go over just general show stuff. And for this particular one, we have a special guest, but we'll get to that. Let's go around the table starting with...
2: My name is Sam Frost, and I play Arvid Ulfmund. He is a uh, level 6 Barbarian, level 2 Druid, and all (laughs) Furbolg. Very good. That was
3: perfect.
4: There you go. My name is Michael Loving. I play Harithax, the level 8 Dragonborn
3: Warlock. Hi, my name is Alante, and I play Chris Zagrand, the Human Crystalline Sorcerer, level 6, and Bard, level 2. My name is Zach Barkas. I play
1: Artyom Volkov, the Cleric of Sunlight and Suffering, all level 8 Cleric. So good. Mm. So tender. Uh, I am also the Editor, Director, and Producer for Slapdash Studios.
5: My name is Law. I'm the Dungeon Master of the League of Ultimate Questing, uh, and I am the Creative Director of Slapdash Studios.
0: My name is Tori Christensen, and I'm the the most-the-time Editor of
2: L.U.Q.
5: Notorious. <laughs> Notorious. I was waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
5: we got Tori with us. It's awesome. Welcome, yeah. Tori.
2: Hello. Hi.
5: So this is uh,
1: how we're going to be doing the questions. Tori's going to be asking them because they are a longtime fan and editor, and they have a better idea of what the community wants to hear than we do. The uh, the far out of touch, you know, famous, you know, far away figures that we are.
5: <laughs> Tori's one of the slappers. Yeah, one of the slap dashers.
1: The lu cuties, <gasps> oh, you mean? Yes, well, those are the fans. Oh. Uh, I see. Let's go ahead and lead into our first question.
0: Well, since we just started recording here, a good question to start with is: Tell us about your current recording setup, location, etc.
1: So the way we usually do it is it's all at my condo here in sunny Beaverton, Oregon. I know we list ourselves as being a Portland podcast, but fuck you, Beaverton is basically Portland. It's mm. pretty much the same thing. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's close enough. Um, but I mean, I would say most of us live in Portland. Uh, they all just kind of crowd into my. Uh, I call it a conservatory, even though it is decidedly not a conservatory. Uh, right now, we're actually surrounded by a bunch of dumb shit. We've got uh, some cool set pieces that we are designing for. They're some... called the
5: cast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow. Uh, we got some set pieces that we're designing for some cool stuff going on, but ultimately it's just it's just five six people as the case may be mm-hmm. on sure SM58 microphones and with a very nice Tascam recorder and just a lot of love. There's a lot of love in these airways and cookies. Yes, uh, oh my god, my lovely Stephanie has made us all some sourdough chocolate chip cookies and they are. Exquisite, yeah,
4: yep. so amazing. yep Steph is the true behind the scenes hero of this podcast. Yes. She mm-hmm. makes Bring her the cookies. cookies, she sacrifices her craft room, she mm-hmm. moves back into her house, which is where we record. Like, <laughs> without Steph, this show would not be the same. Way to call me out and imply <laughs> that this is not, in fact,
1: my condo. Yes, <laughs> it's Stephanie's condo. You're welcome.
5: <laughs> yeah, we, we carpool together and we record all friggin' day, and then we go home tired and feeling good. Yeah, we don't really jive
1: mm-hmm. on the whole like, let's meet once a week do, to do two hours of sit down, like mm-hmm. that. We'll just do one big eight hour sit down session mm-hmm. last time we did five episodes in a row and by the fifth one we were barely oh. functioning you mm-hmm. might even hear how bad we were so
5: it, enjoy yeah.
3: but that's all because we're all such extreme creative individuals who have like mm-hmm. a million things going on right Ro- it's Ro just, just brilliant and, I, and
1: amazing human being i so, work yeah. like
5: 15 16 hour days in the kitchen pretty regularly mm-hmm. and for some reason the end of like a 10 hour luq recording session is
3: the most <laughs> exhausting thing in the world i mean you do a lot like not just the voice i'm just and sitting prep.
5: here though like it, it doesn't just, make sense my body is dead <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
3: you put a lot into every single character I I can say that with confidence I guess
5: so
0: group questions first
3: yeah I'll start with group questions
0: what piercings if any do the party members have
3: oh shit (laughs) (laughs) Uh
2: uh, Arvid definitely has a couple of ear piercings. He's got them long, soft ears, like if a, if a woodland deer or something had extra long ears. Mm-hmm. If a
1: woodland deer was really into like Hot Topic and shit like that,
2: like, <laughs> yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. a scene deer. A yes! Scene. <laughs> wow. yes. So he's got a couple of the the like ring piercings that are just like uh, precious metals and probably originally for the sake of having some on him if he needed to trade something. Mm. But at this point, he's probably looking towards bling but not sure where to find himself in the bling. Staring the at bling on the horizon?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I got an important question. Uh, do you have any intention of drilling holes in the base, uh, in like the tips of your horns and putting rings through those?
2: <laughs> Only if there were also bells attached to those rings.
1: <laughs> of course. <laughs> Goodbye <laughs>
2: stealth
5: checks.
1: <Wow. laughs> are you telling me that you don't currently have a septum piercing and if so why not and why isn't there a bell on it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, not a bowl. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Sure, I don't know. I, mean, I, assume, I assume septum piercings are useful for any cattle. Uh,
2: <laughs> septum piercing on animals are usually to make it so that you can aggressively lead them, right? That's yeah, I think like so. you grab them and you're like, oh, come here. you, you know, know, no like, one wants to shit be... my nose.
1: No one wants to say no when you're pulling on their nose. Mm.
2: <laughs> I
5: thought it was just to make bowls look cool as shit. <laughs> 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 <Look> how
2: rad. <laughs> so, uh, no, Arvid does not have any because that would be foolish in a fight. Just imagine. Just imagine.
1: Just imagine. Just imagine. <laughs> getting getting your horns caught on somebody's sword. I think that's Ooh. an awesome tactic.
2: Oh yeah. And like ripping it out and being like, ha, now I have antler swords. I don't know.
1: Um, you need to it's... use your horns to disarm somebody. <laughs> yeah, I would but then like you get to... like
5: stuck and have like a long sword slapping you in the face while you're trying to <laughs> pirouette.
2: So the the great thing about that is like Uh, In many D&D games, I feel like I've been discouraged from doing stuff like that. Sure. Uh, I love that Law will roll with us when we want to do some goofy stuff. Because normally you're like, okay, I want to take their sword with my horns. And they'd be like, okay, roll a grappling check at negative four Uh, you know, whatever, and I'd be like, Well that's stupid. I'm not gonna make that roll. So just Mm -hmm. hit it? Okay, I'll just hit it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's
0: the rule of cool.
1: There you go.
5: Yes. But yeah,
1: a lot manages to make it very like mechanically appropriate, which I appreciate. Mm
5: -hmm. I do my best. Yeah, you can charge up a ladder, whatever.
1: (laughs) You're a goat. (laughs) I would assume if you're a goat you can charge upward on a climb. Like that makes sense. Look for the clarity. I bet at
4: least one farmer has been caught unaware by a vertically charging goat.
1: Can you Imagine yeah. just like staring out over a sweeping vista, and all of a sudden you take a goat to the NADS. Nobody really considers peripheral vision downward, right? It's <laughs> like, oh
2: god. But you guys make me want to uh, to do a scene with like Arvid asking somebody else if he should get nipple piercings or something. Yes, um, you should definitely ask just, Chris. Just somebody,
1: just some <laughs> random stranger. Say. Hey, you, should I get nipple piercings? Why not? To, his, to
2: one of his fans, like pulls his. Can I pull him off? Pulls his shirt <laughs> up. Like look, look, look at just my nipples. Tits out. Uh, this Aww. one like might be a little bit uh, like pointed the wrong way. Do you think that would look funny? You might <laughs> <could laughs> ask.
5: My brain works in weird ways because like would it have a you, chain across you were describing Arvid doing it, but Sam was doing it, and then I pictured Arvid with big titties. <laughs>
6: Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> the fat titted Arvid
5: <laughs> you
4: could ask that guy that's always talking to us when we're on the roof like mm-hmm. what do you think <laughs> <laughs>
6: yes.
1: I will say that if, Sam, if Arvid keeps up with their potion consumption their irresponsible potion consumption you can guarantee they're going to grow titties at some point mm. or
5: another oh no <laughs> and and if Hunter? you're raging the piercing damage will have to be double to get through your nipples oh oh <laughs>
1: Also, if somebody gets caught in your piercings, then you take piercing damage.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I can just hug people and they'll get piercing damage. Oh. Okay, no, I was look, implying piercing damage.
1: Because I... piercing damage. No, nobody? No, it was good. I, I, I,
2: I, I was trying to jump off of that into the diving pool of, of asking if I could get like spiked. Nipple piercings, right. piercing oh. nipple piercings. I don't
1: know because like I mean I feel like they need to brace against something, and unless you just have the most rock hard pecs in the world, I think that's going to just result in some rip nips.
2: Do you doubt the rigidity of Arvid's pecs?
1: I'm going to be looking for uh, like rip uh, nip rips tonight nip on nip Google rips. and just oh, no. that. oh god, I, I was th- thinking maybe don't instead of nip slips.
6: <laughs> I,
4: I was thinking once once Arvid stops wearing armor and goes full barbarian unarmored defense, he could get uh, uh, nipple rings of protection. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
5: it's just extra fingers at that point. (laughs) Michael, what about you?
4: Um, (laughs) Does your reptile have any piercings? Yeah. Neither, neither Michael, the player nor Haruthax, the character, I don't think have any piercings. No, I don't think you can pierce scale. I, I imagine that uh, Harithax could probably do like the brow piercings mm. I would think because dragonborns do have brows it would just be quite a process well they have
1: brow but like the skin doesn't knit the same way like human, right. like flesh mammalian flesh has a specific you know way that it refor- oh. like forms around stuff and then creates these holes I don't know if scale does that
5: I think you could get a hole through it it would be a whole different piercing process for Drakkar yeah. whether
1: it would heal right is the question right. but mm. you do have horns and shit like right. frills you might be able to get that shit going
2: I, yeah. I was gonna say um, you could probably pierce if you could pierce through a scale you still would have issues issues with shedding where things would get like caught under around oh
4: yeah ironically probably the character most into body modification in the cast is also not pierced in any way
5: (laughs) (laughs) you got a lot of body mods none of them are piercing right yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Alante.
3: yeah chris has a lot of you know ear piercings got like cartilage piercings probably some ear cuffs and stuff Mm. and definitely a prince albert (laughs) okay
0: fair enough I mean, my gut intuition on that one was nipple piercings,
2: but yeah, okay. No, no. Arvid and Chris can go together. (gasps) Oh my God.
3: Yes. (laughs) Special episode, guys. (laughs) A whole, an entire
1: one hour episode of the two of you getting nipple pierced. But here's the best part. We're doing it live. So we're going to take you guys.
5: (laughs) 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 But I have to do it and then learn how to do it as playing the (laughs) NPC. I got to think of like, in like fantasy Claire's NPC character. There we go. Yeah.
1: Uh, Arjun doesn't have shit. Uh, well, unless you count all the stabbing he's suffered and things like that. But he has no real interest in aesthetic beyond like what he wears. The idea of getting piercing just seems absurd to him.
5: He might have like some unhealed arrowheads in his body somewhere. Yeah, like counter- mean, I'm
1: sure, I'm sure he rattles like a bag of nickels anytime he walks around from all the like arrow tips and shit like that that have broken off inside of him.
4: Just <laughs> unintentional dermal piercing. Exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. He's like, what's that in your head? Oh yeah, that's a bullet. Sorry. Hold oh. on. <laughs>
2: But he did he, an unpiercing that episode that oh. uh, that he gave us the the flesh bags. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I would call that an unpiercing uh, or scarification, unscarification. Reverse. That's weird. Uh, oh, yeah. Descarification? Yeah. yeah, he does have scarification, but not decorative. <laughs> what about you, Law?
5: Let me let me pull out my list of oh, yeah. two hundred NPCs and go <laughs> through each characters one. characters
1: with piercings.
5: Uh, Maven is unpierced. What about Daxton? Daxton. Oh, Daxton's Maven? pierced. Yeah, yeah. Oh. he's got funny. he's got a little dangle. He's he has a, the big. Nose pierced. He's got the bullhorn.
1: Here's an important question. Why the fuck is his name Daxton, but his bandit or his group is called Daxton?
5: Depends on who's saying it at the time, I suppose.
1: Okay. <laughs>
5: some some voices have more emphasis on vowels than others. Okay. Mm. So
1: how is it, Are they both spelled Daxton? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I've been fucking that up. No, it's since totally forever.
5: cool. It just came up in a weird way once, and it kind of threw everyone off. So.
1: I thought it was—I thought it was that his name was Daxton, and the band or the group is called Daxton because uh, it sounds better and it's easier to say. And they were like, this, "We're going to go with this." Nope, the
5: name
4: goes right from X into T. Who's the most pierced character we have encountered so far? Uh,
5: probably Chief Zertwig. Okay, oh, yeah, that makes, that makes sense. sense. Oh, yeah. yeah, he had more piercing body weight than he did body weight. Okay, <laughs> he has an
3: entire other goblin pierced through his body. Right. Yeah. Wait, so have we also bedazzled Morty yet? or like <laughs> i hope the fuck not i uh, like i don't know he's got armor he's, he's and body paint now does yeah.
0: he have piercings i'm sure some like party at the lounge <laughs> you got like chris got some glitter out
1: I would, I would say animals can't consent but i mean you can talk to him yeah. like, we, yeah. we can bring it up he got drunk and bedazzled
4: morty
0: <laughs> <laughs> i can see it
4: totally. he's got tattoos
0: all right to move on do any of the characters have a particular phobia
4: Ooh. when we were interviewing for the show, one of the questions that Law and Zach asked, just trying to kind of expand the character, was what is your character's biggest fear? And I was thinking about Harithax, who's lived in a swamp, an apex predator there, and was like, I think Harithax would be afraid of deep ocean mm-hmm. because it's, it's a depth that they can't go to you know, if if Phantom Menace taught us anything, it's that there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, Phantom Menace taught me a lot. Let's yeah, be fair. It's, it's a lot about how to not do prequel movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I kind of meant that just as like a one-off, like what would Harithax be afraid of? Uh, probably deep ocean water. And then... There have been so many times in the show just immediately where it's like, guess what? You get to cross an ocean now. And I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. I did not think this through very well. So Harithax, I think, is adapting to their phobia a bit just because they've had so much exposure to it. But they're still not comfortable on a boat. You should definitely play it up
1: more. I think I, I'd love to see more of Harthax
4: being like, "Fuck this!" A lot of our water travel is kind of glossed over because it's mm. like, okay, it's the end of the episode. We're getting back to Luscinilia. Let's not do a whole bit about Harthax being afraid of the ocean. That's but,
1: because travel mechanics are podcast poison. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's
4: not it's not super interesting. But but yeah, Harthax is getting more comfortable, but doesn't like deep water.
3: Um, I don't think Chris has a phobia, but thinking about it now, if he would, it would be leaving people scarred. Like he's okay with leaving people alone or straight up killing them, but the in between is very uncomfortable. Hmm, interesting. Oh.
2: That makes me think of me. I, I feel that. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> it's a real <laughs> thing. Straight up killing people, fine, but uh...
1: <laughs> I do I am not afraid of becoming scarred. I am afraid of losing teeth. If I think if I think if somebody Whoa. like hit me in the face, I wouldn't mind if it like ripped my cheek open real bad or something. But if I lost a tooth, I'd be like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> now is, I can't eat as good. <laughs> I only get so many of these. You ass. <laughs> yeah. As Zach or as Artyom. As me. Okay. As Zach. Artem like, <laughs> has a different fear, but we'll get to that.
2: Yeah. Um, so Arvid, uh, mostly fear of taboo. Arvid doesn't want to do anything that's going to... He's pretty traumatized by being exiled... Or not exiled from his family, but the thing that resulted in him not being a part of that. Mm. Uh, so... Taboo. Um, anytime we're in a situation where one of us does something that is not okay with the culture surrounding, uh, that's going to set Arvid off in panic mode, um, which we've seen a couple of times, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we've covered
1: uh, why you left the tribe before, but somebody actually asked that. Can you can you refresh us on why Arvid left their tribe?
2: So our tribe was they were all following like a bear god, bear totem, and. Basically, during the time that would have been a coming-of-age moment where he'd, like, you know, take his place among the men, he went to do the standard, climb the mountain, meet with the bear spirit, and the bear spirit rejected him. Mm. So he just never came back to his family after that. Gotcha. They, he was pretty sure that they thought he was dead. He just was, like, too ashamed, abandoned the area, and went off to do whatever, and then saw uh, LUQ. Mm-hmm. And was like, I'm gonna be famous. That's like that's like me
1: t- having my mom tell me to get the fuck out of the house at 16, and then me finding I don't know uh, the real world, and, or, and just being like, yeah, I'm gonna be on MTV. I'm gonna get on <laughs> road rules. <huh>? Uh-huh.
5: <laughs> big brother, here I come. But but good news is Arvid found a different totem on the way.
2: Yes yeah. yes, that's when uh, Arvid found the goat totem. That, the ram. Sorry, the goat. <laughs> it, we keep saying goat because it's uh, it's, it's meme, yeah. It's yeah. cute. It's meme. But yeah, it's a big horn. Um, I would
1: also say that instead of. Now taking your place among the men like you would if you had bear totem, you now take your place among the idiots with the rest of us. <laughs>
4: wow. hey, hey, hey. I had a, a question for for Locke, kind of spinning off of that. Is the goat, does they have, did the, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> does the goat totem um spirit have a whole clan that Arvid doesn't know that they belong to out there somewhere?
1: Maybe. I wonder if clans, Ooh. I mean, if clans are totem based and you just accidentally get like the clan of the otter and you're like, fuck, where are the otters? <laughs>
2: You know, I lost my note that uh, described my, <laughs> the, the details of my past, but um, <laughs> I just lost it all. But uh, I
1: don't. Rem- I have amnesia because yeah. I lost the notebook. The
2: card. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the official name of the tribes. It was like the brother. No, the blood. Sons, Sons of son- the red. Sons moon. Sons of the red moon, not blood moon. Sons mm. of the red moon. I don't know how. Like, if there would be many more that would have like the same setup, but then mm. different. Yeah, Sons
5: of the Red Moon and most of the Ten Tribes are each section is kind of like which major tribe they associate with but then there's clans inside of those mm-hmm. and you're from a very familial, mostly bulk, some humans and mixed clans that mostly look to the mountain bear
3: So what's our team's phobia? Home mm-hmm. Aww mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That all tracks? Yeah, that doesn't make sense Yeah <laughs> It's not a
5: great place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to have, like, deep-seated fears about things when your life
3: has literally just been like, oh, hook horror is fun. Mm-hmm. But, like, the whole, you know, Stockholm thing, so there's got to be some sentiment there. I mean, there is, because Loshad, but... There's no sentiment with Loshad. Do you remember the episode where they met? He mean, was like, oh, it's you. Yeah. <laughs>
5: this fucker. There's,
1: there's not really Loshad, any
4: sentiment keep, with Artyom.
1: Keep in mind, Loshad was the whipmaster. Mm-hmm. He be- wait, yeah, like half, like a bunch of the scars on, on Arvid's back were from Loshad.
3: What mm-hmm. I did not pick up on that at all. Oh yeah, okay. holy <laughs> shit. Okay, that um, changes a lot. But yeah.
5: it wasn't like a, a animosity or a sinister whipping. It's that was his role in the clan. Mm-hmm. He whipped all of his family to do their section of the deep root farms.
0: <laughs> Just to wrap back into what Sam was saying about Arvid, uh, does Arvid have any siblings?
2: Uh, yes. So when I started with the character. I was like, tons of, tons of close family, and I wanted to keep it kind of nebulous as to how many relatives he had at first, but I think I've narrowed it down to him having two living brothers and a living sister and a dead sister. I like to think
1: that you oh. still don't know how many brothers and sisters you have.
2: Well, if he I comes mean, back, he's probably going to find more. Your mom and dad
1: got a bunch of Byblos, and you're like, oh shit, uh, I got the, like four half brothers and like a third <laughs> brother. I don't know what that is, but I got one. Oh
2: yeah, I, I just meant from the one... Because then all the cousins are probably, I think we talked about like the Arvid's name is like tiny uncle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, most of the, at least in his particular clan, most of the people um, just call each other cousins because the relatives are all pretty mixed up. It's like one of those mountain, yeah. mountain people situations. Keep
1: in mind, not everybody has the same words for the same family members as we do or the same concepts of family members mm-hmm. as we do. So you can have a completely different yeah. definition of brother.
2: So that's brother. what I was saying. He has two just his mom and dad together, like his parent. His, what am I trying to say? Animal husbandry style. He only has <laughs> he only has whoa, two whoa. living brothers and a living sister, but everyone just calls each other cousins. So, mm-hmm. um, whereas some
5: sense. of your cousins are probably more like what we would call like half brothers, mm-hmm. like your mom and dad had other partners and kids mm-hmm. and stuff.
2: And then old people are just uncle or grandpa. There you go. Or grandma. Mm-hmm. Is there a gender neutral grandparent? Oh, there is. Nailed it. (laughs) Move
7: on! What's wrong now, Gloria? Uh, The party's in half an hour, and I've not prepared. I've just received word there'll be young'uns about, and I've not to entertain them. My punch is dreadful and warmer than a dragon's tit. Eh, what? And now I've a mess to clean. Pull your socks up, Gloria. Without hard work, nothing grows but weeds. Oh, aye. I bet those high-minded fellows at the Arcadium. Oh, aye. Wizard Devilry could find a fix for But you're a simple-minded beast, Gloria. Best get all rolling up your sleeves. There's got to be a better way. Hi, Willie Mage here with Presto Digitate, a cantrip in a can. Why succumb to the rigors of menial labor when you can use magic? But I've not studied, and I can't find the time for it. Transmute your can into a can. Is your familiar getting too familiar with your new boots? Presto will remove that mess in a flash. Barely capable of pouring even the simplest of ingredients into a bowl chill, warm, or even flavor your punch in one fell swoop. Talentless and dull, lacking in the social skills necessary to function in society, well, with Presto, you'll be the life of the party. Dazzle with showers of sparks or gouts of smoke. You can even prank your enemies with an eternity of broken wind. My heavens, what in the hells is that smell? Don't let little things like a basic understanding of the intricacies of the arcane energies and eldritch laws that hold our fragile reality together stop you from making your life easier. Get presto!
1: Only three non-instantaneous effects may be active at one time. Presto-digit, the cantrip in a can, is not approved for use on living tissues. Exposure to presto so may cause numbness, dry mouth, fever, the hunger, headaches, nausea, time shivers, diarrhea, a ringing in the ear which resolves into the brassy horns of the heavens heralding the dawn of the age of suffering. Depression, restless leg syndrome, and a heightened awareness of the absurdity of the cosmos. Do not operate within 100 yards of any living creature which is pregnant or breastfeeding. Avoid using the company of anyone under the age of 15 or above the age of 15. Contact your local retailer for details.
0: From Captain Obvious on Discord. What's your favorite trait that you found slash evolved about your character based on your original concept and where they are now?
5: And I'll just throw in like to, a way to think about that, too, is we did a little bit of this in episode 23. So maybe like what's grown even from then, because we've mm. had so much mm. tri- trials and learning about these characters since then. But of course, you can reference the beginning, too.
1: I mean, Artem started as kind of a huge jackass, like a huge jackass. And he's not a nice person now, but I feel like I put a lot of work into making sure that his development into a more stable surface world person was very slow and steady and explained and well justified. That to me, I'm very proud of how much time it took to get him there. And it didn't feel like just flip a coin, suddenly he's fine.
6: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: No like bullshit redemption arc that just instantly goes well. Mm-hmm. And he's still an asshole. Like, that's not changing. <laughs>
5: Yeah, for sure.
3: I think for Chris, uh, I really concentrating and focusing on how he's more resolute, and really trying to play up the fact like, once he makes once he makes up his mind, it's like a decision at any cost. Mm-hmm.
6: So yeah,
1: I think that's really good because you started off very <sighs> indecisive and very mm-hmm. nervous, and I think your character's coming. More to the forefront as a decision maker, but mm-hmm. not in a way that feels unnatural. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you're making this shit up. You're still you're still an indecisive person when it comes to nice, normal things. Mm-hmm. But whenever action hits, you're just like, fucking
5: it, get it. Yeah. And <laughs> if, if I can crack into that Chris oh. show a little, like you've learned since way back when, some truths about yourself. Yes. And they've even reflected in your character progression mechanically. So exactly. do you want to touch on what you like figured out and how it made you choose the new path?
3: Yeah. So, uh, you know, Chris was very much like almost full of revenge. And that's what the, the sorcerer path kind of reflects mm-hmm. in some ways. But once he learned about, I have this destruction in me, and it was really like that moment was more of an intervention than anything mm-hmm. uh, without... It being super obvious. And that's when I thought Bard made the most sense. Music sues the savage soul. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of Chris's attempt at healing himself. And hopefully we'll get to a place where he's more integrated. And because that, he'll be more powerful. Yeah, I love that. I think for Harthax, Harthax started off very isolated.
4: They'd grown up in kind of the middle of nowhere. Their only interactions with people were when they would come to seek medicinal aid. And so they were very detached. They didn't have any close relationships at all since their parents had died. And Harithax has kind of found a certain sense of community with the party and also with some of the Dragonborn that we've met along the way. They're sort of forging relationships with those people as well and kind of integrating themselves more as a member of society rather than someone out on the fringes.
2: Mm. Arvid is a glad hander. You, he needs people and he's really friendly right off the bat. Tries to behave in an open-minded way. However, behind that, of course, there's the real feelings, the real emotions, And he's, at the beginning, he had just left his tribe, etc. He got really attracted to all the attention he was getting. And he's probably, since he's kind of out on his own for the first time with his team Mm -hmm. on the League, that's his escape into adulthood, Right. he's going to be finding out things about himself outside of what his family meant to him. So at first, it was kind of like his clan was his only personality besides just like, I'm friendly. And then... beyond that, um, he's going to have to start discovering things about who he is alone, even without the party. Because uh, I think he tried to glom onto the party, but they were like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> what, like, what is like, we're this? one. We are all one, right? And they're like, uh, nope, we're all different people. And, and it, like, it almost not.
5: feels like Arvid deflects the fact that the party won't immediately bond to him by finding any animal that will follow him yeah, <laughs> yeah. and just pulling it in. Well, there's just not enough people. I mean, what, five people? Be- that is not a clan. I need more <laughs> clan. Yeah.
0: This is on theme for a question that was asked to RTM from Alante's friend, Walker III. RTM has had a bit of an aloofness and attached air about him from the beginning, but that all seems to be getting less and less. Has the group begun to fully earn his respect through these trials, enough that he would be willing to lay down his life for them?
1: Who? Um... It's tricky because Artem doesn't really have a conception of the whole, like, these are my family now thing. And that only that even just an essence of that has only just begun to take hold with the recent, you know, transformative personal experience with the cutting of his own back and giving them his once per day ability. Uh, so for him, it's like he's this is him basically jumping off the cliff. It's him agreeing to to try and let this happen and not fight it anymore. And so while he doesn't necessarily see them as like the family that Arvid wants or, you know, the, the pack or anything like that, I think for him, the characters are, he would have died for them regardless from the beginning because that's how he understands teamwork. Mm-hmm. He's used to working in, you know, the deep root mines and things like that and like hunting through the Underdark. And if one person isn't willing to sacrifice himself for 10, then he just gets purged over time or gets murdered in his
3: sleep. I just want to like bring up one thing. I think it was from the last episode. There was that anecdote about cutting off one of your fellow's hands so that everybody can escape. Mm-hmm. And that seems very emblematic of Artyom as S- a whole. Selfishness and cowardice are purged. It's the mm. kind of thing where like, if you're living in a slave
1: society, you kind of can't afford to have somebody there who's going to be a liability to everybody. Yeah. And I'm not joking. Like, Murdered in your sleep is totally normal. Mm, okay.
6: <laughs>
0: <laughs> from Jen, one of our legendary tier Patreon subscribers... What do the party members think of each other?
2: Well, I think, yeah, Arvid started with uh, No Prejudices, was just like, look, these crazy people. I don't know nothing about your cultures or nothing. And then having learned more about his buddies, I think he gets along pretty well with Chris because they both have the love for nature and animals. Mm -hmm. I honestly think if he wasn't such a big, tough boy, he probably would, like, in another life, Arvid would have been a bard too. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so they get along pretty well. I've noticed between Haruthax and Arvid, there is kind of a battle camaraderie, though not so much on a personal level. They haven't done too much to talk to each other. And I think part of that could be that...
4: Harthax is very off putting.
2: He is dark and mysterious. Well, I think you're also two sides
1: of the same coin. You both come from completely isolated backgrounds, living in the mountains, living in the swamps, etc. But for the two of you, you handled it completely differently. You had family connections, associations, etc. and developed that kind of pack mentality, but Harthax did the exact opposite and isolated and became, you know, reclusive. And I think that's an interesting dynamic in itself.
2: Also, which eye do you look at? Because they're not, like, straightforward, right?
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I typically try to look at the ridge and the between the, mm. between the eyes. Mm. <laughs> Actually, based off of that, there are a lot of interesting parallels between Harathax and certain aspects of each of the characters, the sort of survivalist nature aspect of Arvid, the sort of magical symbiote ties with Christ, and the sort of detached medical pragmatism of Artyom. Like there are elements of Harithax completely unintentionally. This isn't something we planned on mm. having, but there, there are elements of Harithax in all of the characters. I would argue there's elements of everybody in everybody. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Artyom and, and Sam both from,
1: you know, horrible, like frigid, uncomfortable places. Uh, me and Alante both sharing a slave background. You and I both being medical and both being extraordinarily pragmatic. I yeah. like that. I like, yeah. I like that there is something of each of us in each of us.
4: Completely unplanned. None of us like tied our backstories together intentionally mm-hmm. or did, did any of that. It's just how things have played out with our characters growing together. I don't mm-hmm. even know... Growing and questing together? Yeah, yeah. growing and questing <laughs> together.
1: And th- yeah. I think that's actually one of the reasons why we came up with that name, Mortal Dawn, for the group, is because it matches, it's something from each of us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that that rising dawn, the new beginnings, but there's also the mortality and the constant threat of death, and like, I think that was something that w- factored heavily into that decision.
4: Yeah, you could yeah. say we just lucked into it. Yay!
5: I did recently find the sheet where we went through all of the names of potential <laughs> team <laughs> names, and... The watching the evolution of it was like, man, how did we end on mortal dawn yeah. from the starting point? It's a good one though. No, it is. I like because it, it almost implies like living in the now.
1: Yeah, I particularly enjoy that uh, one of the ways in which Hot has assimilated themselves into culture is through puns. Get the only foothold they can find, and then dig in. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's really that's more of a Michael thing than a hard thing. I just like the idea that this this freaky ass alligator dude is like, I have nothing in common with anybody. Dumb joke. Everybody laughs. Ha ha. Yeah. That's my in. <laughs> <laughs> I got dad
4: jokes for days. <laughs>
2: yes, uh, and then Arvid and RTM is like. The softest, most comfiest chair you can imagine with a porcupine in it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not sure if you should sit down, uh, and the uh, once you do, you
1: regret it. Mm. <laughs>
2: yep, 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 yep. Um, it's just like uh, walking on eggshells kind of thing for him, where like he wants desperately for uh, Senpai or whatever I'm <laughs> the, mean, the captain. T- I've been getting
1: some strong like daddy issues from Armin. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want you to approve of me. Have mm. you taken care of your dog? Has it been trained? Are you being responsible? Mm. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> that might be a little bit of Sam, actually. Do I need to talk,
4: <laughs> Arvid? Do I need to talk to you about your potion use?
2: Uh. <laughs> what are these?
1: I found these in your room. <laughs> Who taught you to? Where did you learn to do all these horrible things?
6: You, <laughs> <laughs> I learned it from you. Have
3: you been getting into my herb stash? <laughs> oh Whoa. no, it's a little too real. So I guess I kind of want to like allude to the bonds by Chris's favorite moments with each one with Arvid just early on everything and especially in finding Morty and having yeah our own little little pack together feels really good the fact that I got to teleport and like have that cool like Miss America wave at the dreading cake was really amazing <laughs> <laughs> um with Harthax it was amazing to have that moment like by the frozen lake and just be like really honest like oh I don't know how I'm feeling and he's just like well Here's what you got to do, or here's the facts laid out. And of course, with Rtm, the best moment has to be the Lord of Light and the Dancing Thunder. Ah, and yes. that really showed our personal growth. Mm-hmm. We were really butting heads left and right, <laughs> unintentionally. But we really found and kind of understood one another and gave each other the freedom to be our separate selves. Yeah, I like that. Uh, our team doesn't understand people as a concept, individuals to him. It's all just kind of
1: incidents and actions. Things happen. He understands how they process and then he moves on to him. It's a matter of trying to find some semblance of rhythm, stability, understanding that that this is going to work. And so for him, he kind of understands all of you as just teammates that work well together. And Mm. he's like, ah, yes, Arvid is good at this thing. And if I tell them to do it, they do it. And it goes really
3: well. I like this. Mm. Which explains the kind of pull from... Chris, (laughs) it's like (laughs) no
4: earlier in the show artyom Mm -hmm. traded all of his feelings and memories about harithax Mm -hmm. in exchange for guidance through the feywild Mm -hmm. um on this topic of how do the characters feel about each other where's artyom at with harithax right now considering that whole segment of their history was like deleted that's actually funny
1: because that leads in perfectly to what i was just saying uh he doesn't he was worried that it was going to affect his view of you. And it did at first. But again, because he only understands people in context of their actions and how they interact with him, your behavior after it was so fucking rock solid that RTM's like, oh, right. That's why I like Harthax. Mm-hmm. Also, I will say that Arth- Harthax is technically the only person he actually considers a friend. What? Um, I've, tried, I've tried to display that through action, but I've realized that nobody has picked up on it. But as far as he's concerned, thank you. Law has picked up on it. <laughs> Uh, as far as he's concerned, Harithax is a friend. The two of you are really good co-workers and teammates, and that's about it. Whoa. Well, Mind let's, blown.
2: Let's hope uh, Rtm never reveals that to Arvid. It would, it would be <laughs> oh, no.
1: I mean, to be fair, he did just get to the idea of, I'm going to consider you like family instead of like, you know, pawns in the group. But yeah, for him, it's like, that's why he was so worried about giving up the feelings. And it's why he was so hurt when you left. Because he was like, this is fucking bullshit. Right. Because up until that moment, they had always been very consistent, very trackable, and very familiar, and very trustworthy. And then suddenly you're gone. And then he's like, why did fucking just, this is bullshit. This is not, this is not what we agreed to. <laughs> so having that happen, but then realizing as soon as you came back, he's like, oh, same person. They're the same guy.
2: Would you say that they are Rtm's first friend?
1: No. No, Ooh. I have a very particular thought of who Artyom's first friend was. That has not come up. Ooh. Well, what do you think about everybody's
5: characters and their interactions? Ooh, I mean, it's important for me to like, I was aware of the RTM kind of sneaking in a little bit of like random camaraderie with Arifax, even over just like a bad joke and like a random high five that felt really out of place, mm. but was clearly like a gesture of like, look what, I, I saw that culture does this. Let's do it.
6: <laughs> I saw that culture does this.
5: <laughs> um, I try to view it all as a spectator so i can let you guys evolve it naturally but then i can take that and kind of weave it into the narrative however i can Mm -hmm. whether it be like someone from your past that could address them in a certain way or challenges i could have you face that might require i know the two of you are gonna have to work together on this kind of thing Mm -hmm. and force this temporary bond and that um so i try not to get my fingers too messy in that so you guys have the autonomy of your own interactions but i do try to you know play on it a little bit in Mm -hmm. the story How do you feel about our growth together as friends? Oh, I love it. My favorite moments when we're recording is when I'm aware that there's a like kind of a side scene about to happen because I can literally just like back off the mic and just absorb what you guys are doing.
1: I like seeing that like when when I would like I'll bring something up and then literally a sentence in I just see you kind of recede away from <laughs> the microphone.
5: <laughs> well, and I was worried that like you're worried I'm about to like say something for the story. But if I back off, it means like you guys know that's like this is your time to just like create this scene. And I also really it pleases me to hear you like have character interactions that tie in with what is happening in the world that I've, I've handed to you and, and pulling out lore or names and things like that. I'm like, ooh, this feels so, so good and real.
0: To continue on the topic of character growth, Isaac, a tiny puppy on Discord, asks...
1: I like that that's not their name. That's just what we
4: refer to them. Isaac, who is just this tiny puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac is also legendary, is he not?
3: Yes, yeah. yes, he is.
0: How do you keep track of slash implement character growth and changes?
3: I think by just the nature of the show, we all make choices that show that Chris went barred. It shows that he's trying to do a different thing everybody else
1: i completely agree for me i think it's just a feeling it you know you i whenever i build a character or write a character in like a story or something in my head the first thing i think is what kind of person are they and once you have that you know their actions you know their reactions you don't need to track it because you become them and when we're playing everybody hears such good actors that they know how to just immerse in the role and do it method acting basically. exactly
6: yeah
3: but i also want to like say that you guys the listeners especially with these questions Help us grow. Yeah. It helps us think about our characters in different lights and bring that to the table even like
5: real people like if, if I want to like change something about me like I realize like oh I'm really bad at interacting in certain ways I don't like go home and write it down on a piece of paper yeah. like that's just who I am now I'm trying to work on it and if someone asked me like hey how do you feel about your friends on a personal level like that would help me gl- learn more about myself just by hearing myself say it
4: Yeah, no, we are the worst note takers in the world
6: <laughs> oh yeah discussing yeah. <laughs> really. no one writes anything
4: down ever I hey. have a uh, quote note
1: on my fucking sheet here that just says uh, let's see here tarnished it tarnished Two shines
4: in silver, which is wrong, and it's only half the thing, and it's beautiful. I was going over pre-recording the random things that I've written down on my character sheet, and there's no context for any of them. It's just random words. It's that it's that D and D meme of. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. Yep, I made one. Yeah, the party recap. Oh, oh. It's, it's like a... evil elf bar tavern magic dagger. Yeah,
4: <laughs> <pushing> my... <laughs> that's that's exactly
5: like my
3: my notes are that. <laughs> I've been pretty good at being the accountant though. It's mm-hmm. been nice. <laughs>
2: It's useful to have that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say about keeping track of characters, it brought up uh, a thing that has been my, probably my one of my earliest and most consistent problems with, with uh, characters in D&D is trying to play somebody who is better at something than you are in real life. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So um, something that's always been a problem for me is like proper nouns disappear from my brain immediately and are mm-hmm. replaced with like, Words that mean that, and mm. so because of that, I'll be like the the crimson cloth lady or whatever. It
1: is. <laughs> Actually, you, you got it right. You you said uh, the the lady in, in crimson rags, and it just was lady in saffron rags, saffron. which was fine. That was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
2: but it's always like that. It's just like there's a concept, and I remember the concept, but I do not remember faces, names, blah 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 blah. blah. But
3: I think that plays out so beautifully with Arvid. I love those moments.
2: I just want him to be able to be friendly with people, and you remember people's names when you're friends with them. <laughs> I don't. <laughs>
1: yes. I genuinely cannot remember I names or faces. Every time I'm at a party, I'm like, "Oh, that's really cool. Who's? What's your name? Thanks, thanks, thanks." I'm not gonna remember any of that. Just mm. so you know, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: okay, IRL, I consistently confuse the actors: John Travolta, Tom Cruise. Uh, who is Batman? <laughs> Fucking what was his name? Chris- Which Bale? one? Christian it's Bale. Been many okay. Batman. Yeah. It's like all of the guys with like brown hair and they're kind of like vaguely attractive they all look like the same person and like you can show me them side by side and i'm like okay they're different for sure
0: (laughs) that wraps in perfectly to our next question from jen again what actors would you all cast your characters as voice actors do count
2: uh, somebody on the Discord said Jason Momoa for Arvid, and I think that's pretty perfect because that meme where he uh, he's about to like jump on that other actor and is like smiling and happy, that's like <laughs> that's Arvid right there. That
1: has big Arvid energy. Yeah. I mean, the, do, you, do you think Arvid has that much charisma? Uh,
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Aww>. yeah. <laughs> um, the other one I was looking through, I was like, okay, uh, rom-com actors probably, and I was looking through them, and that Paul Red guy who was Ant-Man, I could see that working, too. you just have Already. to, like, do some CGI or something to make him big.
1: My favorite one for Arvid was actually the one that Law suggested, which was uh, Tim Heidecker from... Jimmy oh, Eric, or Eric Wareheim. Or Eric Wareheim, excuse me. Yeah, that was it. Um, yeah, I, fucking I love that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I want him to be a himbo.
4: That's fair. Mm-hmm. I love that. I um, This question got asked quite a while ago. I think it was on Discord. And I thought about it, couldn't pick anyone, and just, like, stopped thinking about it. And then they were like, well, we're going to cover this in, in Q&A. And I was like, oh, no, I have to pick an actual <laughs> actor now. Uh, and I was thinking about if voice actors count um, I was actually talking with Law and the rest of the cast outside beforehand workshopping this and I actually think Mark Hamill would be a really cool voice actor for Harithax. Oh, so, yeah, I could do that. Nice. Oh. Yeah, definitely. And and if there was a screen adaptation it's not like Mark Hamill, you know, has no presence on camera either so Well,
1: let's let's all be honest. If we were going to be doing anything live action, it would actually all just be motion
3: capture and obviously Andy Circus would do everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, honestly, I think Chris would end up being, like, a model more than, than an actor. So any kind of, like, model who looks, like, even vaguely, like, what, Mediterranean or Middle Eastern with, like, really bright eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be Chris. I just said a younger Depp would have worked. Oh.
4: The younger Johnny Depp. Yeah. I could see a young Johnny Depp. Yeah. yeah. That would
2: be a... Who was that guy? He was in Lost, and he was in Sense8 as, like, the guy who introduces all of the... Oh, oh I know
3: who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah,
2: well, you were saying vaguely Middle Eastern. Maybe if yeah. you lost like 20 pounds, that and guy and like
3: war yeah. maybe,
2: maybe he's really cute and he's got those big eyes and he's kind of. Like, I do like spooky. his voice.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, for me it's actually really tricky because I've got a lot that I like first off Ben Schwartz for mm-hmm. looks because originally I wanted my character to look like Leon Trotsky and honestly young Leon Trotsky and Ben Schwartz look the same they are very similar <laughs> <laughs> but I've been thinking about it more I mean obviously uh, honorable mention to Tilda Swinton I think Tilda Swinton, yes. <laughs> yes. Tilda Swinton. <laughs> can
2: play everyone too Tilda Swinton yes. Andy Circus.
1: I was actually yes. here's the problem though After the moment the words Andy Circus left my mouth I was like oh fuck it's Andy Circus. he's weird he's got that unusual face he's got that voice he's He's got mm-hmm. amazing vocal talent, and I think he would be a perfect Artyom. Yeah, he's a pretty pretty good actor. Yeah. What about
3: Matt Smith? Matt Smith? Is he, is he too like Doctor Who no. Matt Smith and too weird. Okay. He's too baby faced. Yeah, he, he, oh. I need
1: somebody who's like got a hook nose and really like really angular, heavy features. He, this guy's that's not Matt Smith. Ar- Artyom is no. very no no no. What, he, Steve Buscemi.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Buscemi would work. Yeah. Uh, a younger Willem Dafoe would also work. Yeah, uh, anybody oh, who's Will- known for their just no. like
3: extreme aesthetic. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wait, what about Law? What about Maven? See, Ooh, I,
5: again, I have this issue where I cannot process actors' well, it names. Would, yeah. mm. It'd be hard word. to cast
4: Maven too, because Maven can shape change. So Maven would have to be like it unspringed. would be. It would be the Maven you guys interact <laughs> okay. with, mm.
5: the the form he's yeah. taken for his current position. And uh, there's an actor, and I can't think of his name. He was in Sunshine, and he was in some kind of independent sci-fi films. He's a, incredibly good. I think he was in Prometheus too, but I don't remember for sure because my brain doesn't work that way. Mm. Um, but he's he's awesome. He has some like really kind of like beautiful feminine features, but he's also very masculine mm. and i can just picture him he's kind of this like nebulous age too like you look at him Whoa. you're like at first you're gonna say like this guy's like 20 but you look for a second you're like he could be like 50 like i really don't know
3: so he's very elijah woodian <laughs>
5: in a way but he just he 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 cover, he checks a lot of boxes and that he has like oh he big pretty eyes he has an almost not rememberable face but he's also gorgeous mm. uh and i think he would work great i'll have to look it up and maybe put it in the discord later or something but names <laughs> sure
0: I have a bit of headcanon when it comes to Morty. I forget what type of dog was said that he is. Mm-hmm. But if anyone has seen Song of the Sea, the dog Koo from that, that's, very that's exactly how I picture him. Mastiff, right?
1: Wasn't he?
5: Yeah, he's a yeah, dire Mastiff. it's not Mastiff. the same
0: type of dog, but that's how I picture him. Oh, super cute. personality I'll
5: say real quick, um, I think Patrick Walburton for Storm. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Elliot Kalen for Kip. Somebody
1: recommended- Oh, my God. Um, yes. I also think David Harbour would be a fantastic storm. He's yep. got the voice. He's got the size. He's very gruff and awfully just monstrous looking.
5: Those would both be super good picks. And I think for Morty, uh, H. John Benjamin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, side note for Kip, I personally feel like uh, the best choice would be uh, lin Memo Miranda
5: that'd be a great one
1: Lin-Manuel so Miranda much. would be perfect
5: He's I re- for me it's Elliot Kalen, but you that's know, fair that's I like fair. that other people have just different interpretations
0: smush of them. them together and create a
5: we <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have to do anything to Elliot Kalen, though that's just how he talks he just he has this sing-songy little voice and everything he says is just like
0: <laughs> oh very good very good
5: another day running the troll's road to deliver precious cargo. icy roads cold wind dangers all around. Well, you're Dornish-born, raised in the mountains and tough as tempered steel. You need a wagon as tough as you are. Introducing the new Lachey Lancer. Molten forged iron hubs, triple reinforced eldwood, massive cargo bed, and heavy Dornish leather tack. Road is long, but you ain't scared. You're Dornish-tough. You choose Lachey.
1: Hey, all you cuties it's zach here lots going on and not a lot of time to cover it in so let's get going first off i am delighted to report that we have yet another legendary team member these folks are donating 25 dollars or more every month to slapdash and with things being the way they are right now it kind of means the world to us to have your support so thank you so much dovathor cool name for joining the ranks of the legendary teams which are the moonlight veil the Tavern Brawlers, and this week's featured team, the Cultured Cutthroats, Zan Cam, Jeff Ammons, Jack Phillips, and Isaac Davies. Thank you all again for your support and for being so active in the Discord. It's such a delight to see people who love the show enough to talk about it, share it, and evangelize it on social media. And that's really the ticket, folks. Seriously. uh, We haven't delved into the world of advertising at all, so it's kind of the only way we get out there, is you sharing it. The stay-at-home orders right now have taken a massive toll on our listenerships, and so few people are commuting during this terrible time, so getting the word out and tuning in every Monday really Really means something. On that note, you may have heard us mention Game Night Lounge a lot in the last year and change. It is, in many ways, the lounge of ultimate questing for us. It's the home of D&D Tavern pop-up Orcs Orcs Orcs, Portland Geek Atlas, and Law's primary source of income, or was. This board game bar in Portland is an absolutely wonderful place, and they are barely holding on right now. With bars and restaurants still closed here in Portland, there's just no revenue coming in. And that being said, Slapdash Streams on Twitch will be hosting a fundraising stream to help Game Night Lounge stay in business. In particular, we will be doing an alpha playtest of Terranary, an independent science fiction RPG which we advertised on the show not too long ago. I'll be playing in this session myself, and we'll be hosting it on twitch.tv slash streams on may 9th 12 p.m to 3 p.m pacific time I really hope to see you there. On the note of Twitch, and in addition to the fundraiser, Law has actually been doing a really amazingly fun Pokemon Ruby Randomizer Nuzlocke. I know that's a lot of complicated words that a lot of you probably don't know, but the basic idea is that you're playing Pokemon on hard mode, like super hard, and in this case, it's with a total randomizer, so everything in his party, everything they have, it's all completely randomized. It's a really fun time, and Law is just a delightful person to listen to. You can also find nuzlocks that me and Law did together way back in the day when Slapdash first started when we were called Lackluster. Feel free to check that out on youtube.com slash studios. And be sure to check out Law and as Ruby Nuzlocke. I'm going to be starting my Earthbound stream probably next week. As soon as I have any details on it, I'll be posting the schedule and stuff like that. I'm going to try and keep to a very rigid schedule for this one. Moving on, as you may or may not know, Sam is completely out of the country, and that makes the next episodes very difficult to record. But that doesn't mean we're down and out, baby, not by a long shot. Next week's episode is going to be coming at you very hard with an all Archim all the time one-on-one episode with me and Law. We're going to be following that up with one-on-one episodes for artifacts and Chris, and that's not all. The finale for this filler arc, I mean, very special pandemic pandemonium extravaganza, is a special two-to-three-part Little League of Ultimate Questing, where Michael, Alante, and Law for the very first time, as well as a special guest to be named later, will be playing pre-teen dream boats taking on a carefully orchestrated quest designed by me. I'm excited to see Loge to stretch his role-playing legs, and I am very excited to flash my own DM chops. By that time, Sam should be back stateside, and we can get back to our regularly scheduled programming. But until then, let's get you back to the questions.
2: I'm a dwarven shield of Remitex. I live to slay my foes and defend the Onyx Citadel. I shed the blood of orcs and goblins by the buckets on the battlefield. But sometimes the moon goddess shines her light on me, and it becomes my time to bleed. Heavy combat, heavy armor, heavy floor. That's when I reach for Clan Pax Mithril. Twice the absorption, twice
4: the durability. Clan Pax Mithril, leave the bloodshed to your enemies.
1: So that was fucking intense. We got through not that many questions, but
5: I mean, there was good insight, insightful answers. And Killian Murphy's the name I couldn't think of.
1: Killian Murphy, awesome. I fucking love Killian.
5: Good Patreon. Been Put a good lot good of Patron for too. Maven.
1: But we're kind of running on time mm-hmm. here. Do we want to just do some quick ones to get it out of the way? Yep. Perfect. fire. Tor- Go. Tori, you got him for us.
0: Alrighty. Is RTM named after the main character from the Metro
1: series? Technically speaking, he's named after a footballer. Uh, when I was a kid, I lived with all Russian families because my mom couldn't afford daycare properly. Uh, and uh, there was this footballer from some team or whatever. But I remember the dad of the family was like sitting there screaming, Artyom, Artyom. And I really like that. But I forgot about that for the longest time. I've actually heard Artyom from countless things. No, it is not the character from the Metro series. Specifically, his name Artyom is actually derivative of the name Artemis. And his last name Volkov is Wolf. So Artemis and Wolf mm. is you know designed to be a whole thing. But that's it.
4: Artemis Howell.
0: <laughs> are there LUQ scrying taverns with all you can eat griffin wings and ale
5: I hope so uh, are there LUQ taverns yes absolutely all over the place are griffin wings something you can get all you can eat absolutely not no, Those no, are they're just old griffin wings they're of not course.
1: buffalo wings law right
5: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair
4: no they're dornish game, gay men gay men <laughs> wings yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
5: Yes, but think, you know, fantasy tavern. So it's probably like bowls of mutton stew and crap like that and not like mozzarella sticks and (laughs) ranch dressing. Yeah.
0: Mm. From Jen, are there other dragonborn physically like
1: Haru around?
5: There are different clans of dragonborn based on what color their scales are. Haru's shadow scale is uncommon, but there are some in Machinar.
1: Did all shadow scales look like that?
5: Magical shadow scales, ones that practice arcane arts and things like that, tend to become more draconic as they get older. Makes which sense. is why Haru grows horns and more dragon-like features as they get bigger mm. and stronger.
4: There are other alligator-like dragonborn, too, though.
5: Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice.
4: Cool.
0: Is your pink prick completely pink, or are there other hues as well?
4: Wow. Are you asking Zach or
1: Artyom? Because there are different answers here. <laughs> I, um, I'm uncomfortable. Whip it out. let <laughs> <start. laughs> <laughs> uh i'm gonna assume you're talking about rtm the way i always imagined it is uh that the wood of it basically the body was just normal wood that was kind of stained a magenta color and then all of the accents would be black and then a dark steel for all of the metal pieces that's basically what i imagined in my head is that about right law
5: yeah i kind of made it nebulous so you could finalize the description of it but it's very just it's bright pink but it's mostly the wood with black black features the fan art of it was fantastic though yes
4: (laughs) regardless of whether it is accurate
1: it is beautiful yes
5: (laughs) yeah
0: Awesome. Another item question. What is the Arvid's light side, dark side thing about the parody? I personally ask this question because I can't remember.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, a questioner after my own heart. Mm-hmm. I uh, Yeah, so that's uh, the axe parody, which we got in the Temple of sauvage And basically it's got one side does radiant damage. I think it's plus four and the other side does necrotic damage. hmm
4: mm. And that's parody, P-A-R-I-T-Y, like disparity, not parody, like joke. <laughs> which, which I always heard it as parody until I saw it spelled, and I went, "Oh, now <laughs> you need to get an axe and call it parody." <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. right.
0: Nice. A one for a law from Rushpin on Discord. What are Nexus Corp's major competitors?
5: Real talk is. Fucking nothing. Nothing is like Nexus Ooh. Enterprise. The LUQ is so big that nothing comes close. The next thing would be like the Solar Dome, like a big entertainment franchise that puts on shows. But that's like theater. This mm. is the first version of something that's getting projected to people's homes that they have to pay to get access to.
1: And the scariest part about that is how big they've become despite having no competition.
5: hmm And even if something tried to maybe pop up, no one knows about it. Maybe it got quashed by how powerful they are. hmm
0: have any members of the Trillion Blades made it into the LUQ?
5: Who? So the Trillium Blades were the team <laughs> that the Mortal Dawn faced off against in a head-to-head battle in their Grand Proving. Oh, that, that kid that I totally fucking One of just the kids. Oh,
1: <laughs> I hate that kid. Oh, great. I don't
3: know why you hate the kid. It's just a kid. Because he sent me way up in the fucking sky no, and No, that I was fell. the
5: chest you opened that was yeah. trapped. Yeah,
1: he blew it up on me. I gotta say, I was really proud of the whole, like, maybe you shouldn't misplace your faith and then I shot the yeah, kid yeah, in the
5: yeah. back. <laughs> that was a pretty savage fight. Um, No, they failed their Grand Proving when they lost against the Mortal Dawn, but they'll Probably try again in the next grand proving. Which is coming up. Mm-hmm. Not too far off. Excellent. Maybe is there... this time
4: they won't get spanked right in their <laughs> stupid assholes. Is there an off season or does the, the season just go right into the next grand proving and the next season There's starts? There's
5: a few weeks of downtime.
4: Okay. Now.
0: So what happened to Storm's dog, a.k.a. the Thunderpup?
4: Oh,
1: the newest little fresh pup mm-hmm. Um, So basically Storm doesn't have time to deal with that shit, especially since a lot of the time they're either on the field or doing other random shit. So he actually leaves that with his Nam-Nam. Uh, so Nam-Nam's taking care of the pup mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of a big thing and I think the way I imagine it is every time he comes home it's like it's just so much bigger and he's like Jesus holy
7: crap this is ridiculous right (laughs) I imagine
5: after getting asked to not bring it into the booth anymore eventually of course he does (laughs) and this is just a quick side thing I want to throw I don't want to drag these rapid fires out but one of my favorite things about Kip and Storm in this is that all of Storm's character that comes into it is things that happen to him off camera Mm. like his life is what makes him so interesting yeah and everything that Kip brings to it is exactly what he is on camera right and I love that Storm always brings some else because he's doing shit off camera he's a busy boy
1: and we mentioned this in the last uh QA, which i want to say it again um so law writes for kip and storm which is great and then i do character writing joke writing and modifications for storm but most everything is written by him i just voice storm
5: it takes both of us to make storm yes and i love him how he is yes i love him
0: so and for law and elante does Chris's crystalline nature make him vulnerable to, or resistant to shatter
3: Whoa, that's an interesting question.
5: So mechanically, no. But I mean, narratively, like if Chris was hit by a shatter spell, I would probably describe that it was particularly agonizing and hard to deal with.
3: Yeah. So biologically, I think there's the resistance and then the crystal makes it uh, vulnerable so you know pokemon rules it's net zero <laughs> right. one. Uh, but also that's what his like you know blowing himself up is about it's like a self-shattering mm-hmm. very much so okay. obviously chris works with pokemon rules he's he a yeah, self-destruct definitely. yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> chris uses <laughs> self-destruct it was super effective
0: <laughs> oh gosh so michael how has hario adjusted to their new handedness
4: it was probably a bit of an adjustment at first. I think in my one-off episode, I, I covered a little bit of, like, it was just weird not having a hand. But Harthax is very practical, and just giving up a hand in exchange for power is not really a thought. Um, they kind of did the same thing with the Anima uh, in one of the more recent episodes of, I don't need all of the life force that I have if it's going to come back. I'm not really that worried about giving it up. I ain't using it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice.
0: So after Harothax's disappearance, there was some discussion that the team might seek to have a fifth member in the future. Given the success of the team since their return, are there any current discussions about expanding it?
1: I don't think we have any hard fast plans to do it Mm -hmm. I mean it's always something we play around with the idea for but as you can see having six people at the table is just a little bit more crowded
5: (laughs) Mm -hmm. the door is kind of like open um, and if it works out where someone has to leave we have a guest that's totally cool
1: I'd definitely be more receptive to having a sixth guest on at the table Mm -hmm. you know just somebody here for one chapter that sounds awesome
5: yeah or if they fill in someone's role when they can't make it for that one Mm -hmm. the the mortal dawn is more than welcome to hire on temporary assistance
1: but if we keep getting all these patreon subscribers we might be able to get Mm
5: -hmm. studio space and then we can have as big a team as we want (laughs) Down the road. Mm -hmm.
4: Law, how do you feel about uh, GMing a 12-player D&D game?
6: Oh, no. Pass.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So for Law and just any DMs, how do you organize your DM notes? Do you have NPCs on one page, current quests on a separate page, etc.? How do you take notes?
1: Fucking what notes? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, uh,
5: we've gotten that question several times and I usually lead in with saying I don't take very many notes, but I mean, I have kind of evolved my process to make sure that things remain fairly consistent with the story to the best of my ability. I've created a, like a dossier basically of all of the NPCs. I go back and listen to old episodes. So I get their names, right? Cause sometimes I will say something without a note and I need to go back and check. Cause I don't remember what I said. Um, and if the future, if we get like a strong fandom that wants to correct me on stuff like that's just helpful, just understand that like, I, I think I do an okay job. I mess up a little bit. And now I have like basically a page or two for each sit down. So mm. it's like compared to how much we do in like an eight hour session. It's not a lot of writing, but I write down important names of like organizations that might come up or NPCs they'll meet. And I keep all of those in my notebook. So if I have to go back like, oh, that guy from chapter 11, I can pull this out.
4: As a DM, I'm a fan of Google Sheets when I'm doing like an extensive, not just like a one off because you can flip between tabs and you can have a tab for NPCs and you can have a tab for rumors and you can have a tab of quests and everything else. And it it's helpful because you can pull it up like on your phone or laptop or whatever. I would say that I
1: wholeheartedly agree. Google Docs, Google Sheets, anything Google is great because it all syncs across all devices. So no matter where you are, you can grab it. But for me personally, it's all just big. It's all about momentum. So like I'll make a game idea in my head. I'll make a huge bunch of fucking notes and all this other cool shit. And then every single successive session, I take less and less notes until I lose interest and I stop playing.
5: (laughs) And I don't ever want to have a computer in front of me unless I'm running an online game. It drives me crazy. I like pen and paper.
0: What was the triad war?
5: Ah. We've had people mention that they want to hear some more of those old segments we used to kind of sneak in that had like some world lore, whether it be like a lecture or whatever, and I'm totally down to expand on the triad war a bit with that. The general idea, though, is some like hundred years ago. Plus some change. Uh, there was a big war between the humans, the elves, and the dwarves. There was a lot of contested land issues. There was a very racist human king that got exiled. And it ended with the Tri-Race Alliance, where the humans, elves, and dwarves gave territories to each of them. They agreed to work together, and the borders kind of crossed. That's why there's so many dwarves in Andmar. That's like the direct conduit to Remitex. Ooh. And that's why the Southern Maiden is half-governed by the elves and the humans. I like that.
0: What's been happening with the LUQ team Obsidian Song?
5: I think they might mean the Broken Ballad. Obsidian Song has come up in discussion a few times. They were in the Invitational right before the the Mortal Dawn. Uh, but the Broken Ballad, they're still questing. They lost a member in Dornheim in that whole tragic thing, but they still have four members and they're, they're questing at a, at a decent clip.
0: Nice. So we have two questions for RTM. They're kind of complicated. So how do you want to go about uh, that?
1: Do we want to? I mean, I can just do a quick Rtm segment here.
5: Let's let's hear what they are, and then we'll both try to let's answer. Let's make a
1: little Rtm jingle that we can just plug in here. It's <laughs> time
5: for Rtm <Artyom> lore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lay it on me.
0: So, what is Rtm's end goal for his people? Is he simply abandoning them and just having fun being surface side? Is he trying to acquire clout to free his people? And that's from Isaac.
1: <sighs> I think uh, y- y'all got to understand drow are bad. They're bad people, like they ha- are by necessity pretty fucking evil. Artyom was pretty fucking evil when he came up, and he didn't really understand the significance of his actions. Artyom doesn't feel any uh, ownership over the nature of his of his race. He doesn't feel like he has to save anybody. But I would say that after what happened in the Gulag of Blades, I think seeing that the Drow are about to do some nasty shit, I think he's more concerned about what they're going to do to this surface world and the and maybe Drogonthav. So. It's hard for me to say whether he has any real convictions one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're evil folks, man. Like, they're not good, good guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. How do the leaders of the Church of Bren feel about uh, Drow becoming a prominent representative of their religion? Are they playing it up for advertising or turning a blind eye to it or what?
1: I'd say that's probably more of a law question than an artian question.
5: The important thing to understand about the church of Bren is they have never once given a fuck about how they look to other people. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That sounds pretty appropriate to <laughs> Uh It is a god of, of, of suffering, of lending your strength to a greater cause than yourself. They have very few churches. Like, even if there are churches of Bren, they're usually multiple religions, and they have a priest of Bren who lives there. Mm-hmm. They don't care about holy symbols, they don't care about... They don't have writing. Their teachings is life's hard lessons. There's no dogma of Bren. You're either a servant of Bren and you lend your energy to that or you're not. not there's no test. So
1: kind of, uh, what, Lutheran? Is that the one where it's just like, fuck churching having money. Fuck I, you. fuck not going
5: to be good at comparing it to real world religions. <laughs>
1: or like franciscan monks just that very like we're super austere we don't worry about anything we don't have a lot of money we just kind of keep to ourselves and fuck everything
5: else right it's more like you either you are or you aren't yeah (laughs) that's that's the bottom line that's One of the
1: reasons why I really like Bren as a, as a character or concept. Um, it's also one of the big selling points when I tell people about like Artyom. I'm like, keep in mind, the sun god in this world is not a god of love and, and harvest time and goodness, it's a god of fucking agony and suffering.
5: And I, I dare say, most people in Mackinac, if you say like you worship Bren, they'd be like, is that even really a god? Like,
1: <laughs> so can you refresh my memory? What mm-hmm. exactly is Bren?
5: So during I, I need to figure out how deep down the hole I need to go. Basically, when Mackinar was made, there were several very powerful godlike entities, two of which used to be one. Mm. And because of some very kind of greedy crimes that they did, uh, they were vying for too much power or taking too much control of how the world was made. One of them became Quenus, the goddess of the ocean, who was basically exiled into the sea. And that is where she harvests her power. She controls, you know, people have to give her homage to give her strength. Mm. And the other one was sent to the sky to eternally push a ball of fire across it. And they're constantly trying to reunite in this almost incestuous brother-sister relationship.
7: Nice. And
5: every night the sacred you know, sunset, as the sun touches the sea, the horizon we shall be is one of their kind of unifying things. So it's kind of believed they reunite for a little bit when the sun goes down and the sun goes up.
1: So it's literally pushing a ball of fire. So no wonder it's an agony god. They're, they're
5: both being punished.
1: <laughs> ah, okay. So are there any other questions? Is that, is that everything?
0: I think that's all I have. Okay, I'd- cool. Do want to say thank you to Walker Third, Rushpin, Captain Obvious, Isaac, a.k.a. a tiny puppy, Jen F, uh, Unforeseen Librarian, for all the questions. It's really great to have questions on the Discord. Thank you all so
5: much. You're the best. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for the questions. We didn't get to all of them. We did get a lot. Some of them not necessarily super answerable, or it's more like show don't tell. So it might come up in the show. You want to listen to our old LUQ where we answer older questions, go to episode 23. Also a nice place to dive in and I feel like now would be a good time for us to kind of get questions to each other Absolutely. from the other members of the cast I like it
8: hey there my name's Philip, and you probably know me from one of them episodes of the League of Ultimate Ding Dongs kind of made me a little bit of a local celebrity when I had a what you call a cameo on that and uh well, I used to work at deal at Stone Market, but I quit that job, and I figured it was about time to get my feet under me and sort of start my own entrepreneurship. You know, there's a rough economy and all, so I got myself a little bit of a food cart business and I'm selling myself some fresh biscuits. So if you're ever down in Cirilli's, come on down to Phillip's Biscuits. And everyone says to me, hey Philip, why don't you sell beans? Isn't that your trademark? All beans, that's what Phillips says. Well, let me tell you, would you rather have a bowl of beans or a fresh biscuit? I bet I know the answer to that. It's gonna be biscuits. And that's why I'm selling fresh biscuits. And we got butter, and we don't got no jam yet, so we're kind of in a BYO jam predicament, but we'll be getting it in real soon. So uh, if you come down to Cirilli, Coming to support this little 13-year-old boy's first business project and buy yourself a fresh biscuit. My name's Philip, and I want you to fill up your mouth with my biscuits. Come on down.
4: Thinking about questions that I might have um, just across fandom streams, I was kind of jokingly wonder what everyone thinks uh, the Mortal Dawn's Hogwarts house. Uh, affiliations would be (laughs) for no for no reason other than it's an interesting thought experiment sure sure i think we'll start with the easiest one uh arvid a hufflepuff (laughs) i
2: love everybody and also loyalty for almost no reason i don't
4: does anyone (laughs) does anyone disagree with hufflepuff for arvid i mean you do have some crazy gryffindor energy but
1: you're right i think hufflepuff like through
5: uh i'll just start by saying i'll be quiet because potter lore means literally nothing to that's me. Fair.
4: <laughs> i'm not a huge potter head either but it, it's a thing that gets asked a lot
5: sure no i'm glad to hear fun you to guys talk about. about it i'm
4: not a potter
1: head yeah right i actually don't really smoke weed but thank you if, if you, you did it, it would, would be legal. legal. i'm so used to saying i don't really smoke weed but thank you because yeah, yeah, people yeah. offer it yeah. so i just kind of assume that's where i go with it every time <laughs>
4: There's temptation to to put harthax as a Slytherin just because of the whole reptilian, like, you know, trying to mm. uh, obtain more power thing. But I actually think Harthax is a little bit more um, sort of practical and cerebral than that. I, I feel like Harthax would be a Ravenclaw. Fucking
1: hell yes. Yeah, that's my
0: intuition as well. Yeah. You're
1: also always the guy with the questions and, like, you know, probing into deep stuff. And also you play him and even, like, ask non-character questions a lot that are like, fuck me. You also even play them and like ask questions and things outside of the character that are pretty great. That's
4: because I'm a Ravenclaw in real life.
3: Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of with law. I'm like, uh, I don't know. What do you What do you guys think? Chris is? I don't know. I mean, I personally always saw you as a
4: Slytherin. Yeah. I, I also think that Chris's um, revenge arc and power arc mm-hmm. and willingness to do what he thinks is right and not really care. I, I I would I would vote Slytherin for Chris. Oh, that's what that's all about. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> man, totally. Okay. Yeah, it's all, all right. Right. it's all about that ambition and the driven focus and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, Chris also has some of that like goth boy pretty energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, very nice.
1: Yeah, super dark edge boy. <laughs> Love very it. important.
5: Love it. <laughs> the um, sorting hat's like, ooh, is that eyeliner?
6: Yes.
1: <laughs> Slytherin.
5: It's called Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the term guy. That's
1: like. how you know it has a penis.
5: <laughs> uh, um,
1: dumbest shit. Uh, anyway, I uh, personally, I think it's easy to say that Arty- Artyom is going to be a Slytherin. That's just dumb. It doesn't make any sense to me. He doesn't care about power. He doesn't care about personal strength. He doesn't care about, you know, winning or anything like that.
4: Doesn't have a lot of ambition.
1: Not even to speak of at all. Uh, I think more than anything, he's a Gryffindor. He- he's super, super, like, courageous and cares about everybody except himself. And that's kind of an inherent part of where he came from just like self-sacrifice being an important part of what you are also more importantly Gryffindor is if you want to be Gryffindor that was like always kind of like the subtle lord that that Rawling was trying to push not that I give a shit about anything she has to say is that you're a Gryffindor if you wanted to be one and I think Artem definitely would want to be one also lion's fucking rule
5: (laughs) is it intentional that each of you has a different house of the four or does that just mean that you guys are a really dynamic good party
1: I don't know. I think the last one. I think yeah. our, our our characters are just really well designed to fit together, and mm-hmm. we got that that the full gamut of all four personalities that human beings are capable of having. Yep, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Fuck and astrology. Let's go Potter
2: and
4: non-human as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yeah. true. Yes.
2: Okay, now what is their star sign and their Chinese oh, New Year? <laughs> no. Let's be here for oh, six dear. more hours. Yay!
1: Uh, I actually want to ask something that I think is pretty important that we clarify because I have fucked this up a lot and I feel very bad about it. Hey, Michael, can you tell us about Harthax's gender and their identity so that when I
4: fuck things up, they understand that it's a mistake? Right. There are several episodes where uh, I, as a listener, noticed that uh, Harthax gets heed quite a bit mm-hmm. and that's because I, I believe most of the time that's because I as Harthax's player do use masculine pronouns yes. and so it's really easy to look at me and say he because you're looking at in the same way that sometimes we look at Sam and referring to Arvid will say she mm-hmm. even though Arvid is definitely not a female character um, Harthax is a gender neutral character mm-hmm. um, they are non-binary the Dragonborn society has a certain element of that there are gendered roles we met the broodmother for mm-hmm. instance But Harithax, the way that they grew up with their parents being kind of isolationist, just kind of picked and chose what they appreciated from both of their parents and decided, no, I'm just going to be me. Mm -hmm. So I
1: just don't want to say that on behalf of Luck and Slapdash, we do not disparage or underappreciate the value of the trans queer community, uh, non-binary, all that shit. Whatever you are, you have our support. Uh, and we are sorry if we've made any mistakes on that. It's going to keep happening. Like Michael said, just separating what somebody is versus the character they're playing and then something that doesn't come up enough in our day-to-day life, it can be hard to keep track of it, but we will do our absolute best to respect that. Yeah,
4: I try and make subtle corrections, but we don't want every time somebody slips and says he looking at me when they're talking about Horathax to have that interruption of they they because it, mm. it, a it's difficult to edit out and be as much as we want to use the correct pronouns we also don't want it to get tiresome mm-hmm. for for listeners so um we do apologize for that but it also yeah you know, it could easily interrupt the flow
1: which yeah. you know we don't want to we don't want to give you bad pad- podcasting and have to reread thousands of lines yeah it's
5: not being used as like a character model for Harithax is just who they are right it doesn't need to be like driven into the story because it's just natural
1: and there's also the
4: obvious thing of harithax doesn't care
2: right yeah there's there's a
4: certain amount of that too of harithax doesn't care a whole lot what other people (laughs) think about them
2: though for you michael that's a pretty cool um in someone's shoe experiment where you're constantly having to correct it is it is a weird
4: like like because i notice especially when i'm listening of just oh geez now imagine if that was every day and (laughs) And (laughs) And
2: it it meant that people believed you were something that you're not yeah mm. there's
4: there's i've i've developed a certain amount of empathy for for my friends who are non-binary
5: well i'm glad we covered that yeah
4: and uh, again i am sorry for the constant mistakes
5: i call chris delante all the time yes, yes. <laughs> that yes. happens a lot or vice versa I, Yes. Eye contact Zach. with that human changes everything
1: <laughs> i i alante is chris as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. and when i'm talking to law alone i'll
3: be like well chris was and i'm like mm, uh, uh. <laughs> "Yep." on a more kind of irreverent level what would your character sing a karaoke i love that question yeah that can i want maven's answer too oh maven's answer yes i do
5: (laughs) Hmm. all right i think maven would do sticks crystal ball okay Mm -hmm.
1: i would probably do like a funereal chant or something like that like you know our team would just be like i can't keep pitch or key or whatever so here we go they're doing
3: hava nagila just (laughs) something like that i don't know like i was thinking instead of just like death metal I'm thinking. I'm thinking it would be like
1: the the Russian like national anthem or some shit. Like, <laughs> just see.
0: bring the room down. No.
1: Oh, excuse
4: me, the Russian national anthem. Well, excuse me, the Soviet Russian yeah, national anthem. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
4: RT- great RT- fucking song. RTM over there doing Istanbul, not Constantinople. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? It would have to be a cake song. Just because he doesn't have to keep any
6: kind of special.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
5: can hear it in my head.
2: Yep.
1: He's going the distance. There we go. I'm <laughs> yeah. done locked
6: in.
2: I. Uh... I had a, a moment at which I thought of the song for Christ, uh, Heart of Glass. And mm. and yeah, and I, yeah.
5: Is that I, Pat Benatar? Yeah.
2: What? Is it?
5: I can't remember who does Heart I of Glass. I think so, or
2: Blondie. Blondie. Or Blondie, okay.
5: Blondie, I don't know. Yeah. I'm thinking of a different song that has a similar name.
2: It, it would fucking rule. Honestly,
3: I think, to no one's surprise, it would probably be something really emo. Uh, but <laughs> I think Linkin Park's My December would be that... That song. Yikes, Lincoln Park, huh? I know. Yeah. I Boy know. bands with Edge. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard
4: Lincoln Park described that way before, but I I can get behind <laughs> that. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh there's been a couple of songs that I've posted in the Discord. I can't remember if it's just in the cast chat or if it's in one of the public channels where I've just redone Disney villain songs <laughs> to uh, uh-huh. to Harithax. Uh my favorite one that I did was uh Poor Unfortunate Souls by Ursula. Mm. I liked that one.
5: Yeah. Yeah. It's got a very patron energy to it. It well. does. <laughs> it really
4: that's part of the reason is it's got the 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 magic and everything else. I also think that if uh if we did a duet, I think Kristen Harithax would do uh The Monster <gasps> by Eminem and Rihanna
3: oh my god can that really please happen that would make me so happy in real
4: life because Michael's a bad singer but
0: now do it in Harithax yeah
4: Eminem is a great singer also yeah I was gonna say (laughs) I was gonna say also trying to rap in Harithax's voice and then have you come in as Rihanna would be that would be a mess I think on a more fun note though
1: I I I feel like Artyom would actually do something like, uh, I don't know, by the ELO or something like that. Like, just really mm. high energy. Uh, uh, Mr. Really Blue Sky. B- would be
4: <laughs> hilarious.
1: I just, I don't know. I think I think he would really want to throw himself into it if he would, if he had to do it. Um, but again, keep in mind, Drow don't have music. Or at least Drogon Drow doesn't have music. He's
5: a, he's a Drow cleric, so maybe he'd do a song by Elfin Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> a new one
0: must have been with a million girls. There you go. Or Here Comes the Sun
5: oh yeah, i want to yeah. go real
2: basic <laughs> so what
5: ted nugent song would arvid do
2: <laughs> i laughed along but i don't know who that is um, yes, you don't know I mean,
5: ted nugent? i'm, I'm you so jealous of that oh. Oh. I, I
4: know who ted nugent is i couldn't tell you a ted nugent i'd song. rather not know who ted nugent is i agree uh, let's
5: never mention him again
2: uh, <laughs> be a simple kind of ram uh <laughs> Mul- from Mulan, uh, I'll make a ram out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I like I
5: went from Leonard Skinner to Disney.
2: <laughs>
4: Black, Black Betty would be one I could see because it. it's uh, by Ram Jam. Yeah. 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 Ram Jam.
2: Uh, but also a little more seriously, um, this isn't clever at all. But I was thinking about Stand By Me. That's a cute song. Let's go.
1: Nice. I like it. Heartwarming.
2: My question, you say? My question. Um, <laughs> 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 oh, Jesus. my question is Alante what hi what's going on hi. Um. for you specifically did Chris completely not heed Haru's warning about uh, exploding himself he doesn't care at all or oh. it's just like oh um
3: I think it's just a part of his character like it's it's a self-sacrificing thing in certain ways it's a determination thing in a lot of ways i think he does lose a bit of himself maybe even his sanity every time he does it but you know it's one of those you know the ends justifies the means i know it's a horrible thing mm-hmm. but it makes sense with Chris.
2: does it put flaws in his gem or something Is it- mm-hmm. <laughs> oh
3: does it occlude it
2: yeah Ooh, and then you'll have one of those pretty fractal like yeah like uh sunstone style not sunstone the other one opal yep. Opal. Thank mm-hmm. you.
5: So here's a question from the DM. Mm-hmm. What has each of your favorite interactions with a specific NPC been for your character?
4: Oh, I think my favorite well, my favorite episode that we did was probably the end of the the Christmas special, because that one just had all of us super, super emotional. But but not counting that one because it had so much emotional weight recording the circus episode was super fun. We like half improvised the performance and we kind of had a loose idea what we were going to do, but that was just like an incredible synergy that was super fun to well, do. Well, that's, that's
5: great for like an episode one. I just want yeah. to you know like if there's a character that's in the world that you'll really like interacting with as your character. Like you feel like you have a special bond with someone who's not at the table, one of mm. the members of the world.
3: Uh, that's a really easy one for Chris. Mm. Chris uh, is very enthralled by the trickster mm-hmm. and I really hope we get more interaction. <laughs>
5: I, I, I am enjoying the very slow build of that mm. story.
2: Uh, it's hard to pick one exactly, but I think I get
1: the uh, hostler that gave you your horseback.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a that was a, that was a sad, <laughs> sad reaction. But pretty much, most of the big boys that Arvid meets, you know, we got like the guy uh, from the I'm trying to remember the name in, inside the giant worm. What was the city? Croc craw was crow? Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh there was a fellow in there who gave me a spear and we bonded too bad that went kind of poorly and then there was like uh there was you also
5: met one of the princes of Dornheim
2: that's oh, right yeah. Yeah. Prince yeah I liked the voice a lot by the way <laughs> that was pretty cool
5: <laughs> I personally a really big fan of how honest and awkward you get when Goro shows up
2: yeah those are some of
5: your best, like, your best natural, like, mm-hmm. wow, it's really bold of you to blackmail me. <laughs> I love it. I appreciate your honesty.
4: <laughs> then him immediately backpaling. What? No. Uh, no uh.
2: Yeah, those are definitely the most fun for me. That's, that's right. Nice. I love it. <laughs>
4: I'm not sure who Harithax's favorite NPC to interact with is. I know um, their relationship with the uh, the druid, uh, mm-hmm. the, the green scaled dragonborn. Yeah. Um, I know that's very important to them, right? Um, as this person like remembers Selvarax and has like a history, and and just there's a certain respect for. What's essentially an in, in ancient worm in dragonborn form, because this person's so old.
5: Right. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that one, just because the way he talks is really yeah. poetic and waxing.
4: I think the obvious answer is Loshad. <laughs>
1: it's just fun. having, <laughs> But more specifically, I think more connections with the Underdark. I think mm-hmm. any, any opportunity where he has to deal with his own conflicted feelings about that place, uh, a good example would be the... Um, the deep gnome uh, mm-hmm. uh, leader was a really important thing for him, and it was also like one of the first times we had touched on the fact that he was an underdark character, which yeah. meant a lot. Oh,
4: Philip,
6: <laughs> <laughs> I,
4: I do love, I do love occasionally popping into torment, Philip. It is
2: <laughs> one of my great joys.
4: <laughs> it's hard not to. It
2: is. I could see you going cool places with young boy of the crazy head and the eyeball. Oh Zan Cam. yeah, ZanCam. Young, Zan young boy
5: of the crazy head and eyeball. Yes, <laughs> that was the
4: description. Nailed so him. <laughs> what's, what's Salad Finger's actual name? <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> Which one is Salad
6: fingers <laughs> Is, the, is no, that um, the undead you just met?
5: Yeah, that guy,
4: Galavast. Galavast. Yeah, I'm. I. I will say I'm excited to to see if um, Harithax and and Galavast develop any kind of ongoing. All right. Relationship, Spooky. I think there's interesting potential there. Sure,
0: it's not an interaction as much, but I just love Rtm's reaction to the shroomba. Just the sheer <laughs> yeah, joy the that right. he,
5: oh yeah, like the hard facade melts away, and it's just a little baby
6: <laughs> mushrooms. I love them. <laughs>
5: It and I know most of that's like Zack seeping through, but it's so yeah. honest that it's like, of course. Well, and also,
1: I mean, Artyom developed a love for mushrooms, specifically mm-hmm. like like glowing mushrooms and stuff like that when he was a
5: kid. And...
2: They're the cutest thing in the Underdark. They I
5: imagine that Artyom talked to mushrooms when he was a kid. Of course. And now that they can answer, it's just like a delight.
2: Well, keep, keep in mind, his
1: nickname was Moy, which is mm-hmm. moth, and he was drawn to anything with light. So photo, like photoreactive mushrooms, he would have just been like, what is up, my friend? I love you. <laughs> Uh... I still, like, in my head, I frequently get images of, like, little child Artyom sitting there lighting small fires and staring at them in the dark. Like, that's that's a thing.
5: I can see it as, like, the 8-bit wallpaper. <clears throat> oh,
4: yeah. I see it as one of those, like, horrifying comic panels where, like, he lights it and he's, like, staring at the fire and you can't see the huge, like, umber hulk right behind him. <laughs> oh, no,
5: it's, it's a mostly black canvas with a little bit of negative space in the center with Artyom in the light, and then there's just, like, very vague silhouettes and big mm-hmm. eyes just, like, way off in the caverns. I, I love it. I also
0: kind of picture them as Kodama from What do you call
5: it? Oh, there you Um, go. Princess Mononoke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Little rattleheads. I (laughs) love those little rattleheads. They're cute. (laughs) Spirits of nature, adorable.
1: Kind of the greatest thing in the entire world. Absolutely. Um, But I will say also another important character here for him is Jean Pierre. Oh, uh, yeah. it's some hmm. it's one of the only times he's ever had to pursue a skill that wasn't necessary for his survival or an important part of his religion it's it's him trying to branch out into something especially something that he loves mm-hmm. and the fact that he was accepted by this very renowned very skilled person despite his total incompetence was right me very meaningful for him
5: yeah and it's like him seeking out like to learn something from someone and have like a superior in something who's not you know like lacerating their flesh
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a very guiding them gently i would say that uh that is another person that he again doesn't see him as a friend but as like an important mentor
5: Mm mm-hmm if you go to slapdashstudios.com, you can find a link to our Patreon and also information on our Discord. We'd love to have you guys join that and talk to us. If you have ideas of like what your favorite NPC interactions with the party was, favorite scenes between these characters at the table, or just moments in the show that have meant a lot to you, we'd love to hear about them. We'd love to hear your analysis on them and, and what was funny or great and enthralling about it.
1: This has honestly been a really great league of ultimate questions. I'm very happy about Woo-hoo. it
5: and I like I didn't even know half of these questions were coming and hearing them was like, "Yeah." <laughs>
1: I want to thank Tori again for being here as our question asker. Yay, Tori. So
5: much and fun. it's nice to get g- your voice on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, yeah,
0: you guys know what I sound like now. <laughs> uh,
5: yeah, thanks for joining us for this very special episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we do. New episodes of the OUQ come out every Monday, wherever podcasts are available. Slapdashstudios.com is a great way to get more information on the show. Find links to all of our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then you can check out our Patreon because our patrons right now are a legendary tier, who many of which we've mentioned in this episode. They're our backbone. They're keeping us going. Um, They're motivating us and their questions and their faith in us is just a big confidence booster. And if you want to see Slapdash grow and see more LUQ products and things like that come out, having this slow burn of building it up is great. Share it with your friends. Don't just like tell them about it. If you have like a moment where you're like hanging out with a friend, you're like, hey, just listen to this real quick. You can pull up our YouTube and look at some funny commercials just to kind of whet their appetite. Uh, We would be delighted. You can also check out D20 Questions where me and Zach talk to local gaming moguls. Uh, We get a lot of booze inside of us and words come out of our mouth.
1: (laughs) And just a heads up, we are going to be doing a live show at some point in the near future. By this point, we should have a date ironed out. You can find that on slapdashstudios.com. You can also find it pretty much anywhere else we're posting shit. Feel free to come. It should be relatively reasonably priced. And it's only really if you're in Portland, obviously, because that's where we are. Or we'd love to see you make
5: a trip. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Drive your ass out here. Come on. We can
5: hang out afterwards.
1: To all you people in Australia who love our show, please just come.
5: (laughs) Here's here's my promise. If we can get at least 10 out-of-towners to come to the show... I will hang out with you at the bar after the show.
1: 100%. We I will, will have yeah. an LUQ
5: oh, yeah. sit down party at a nearby tavern.
4: Yeah. I don't want to volunteer anybody for this, but I was hoping we would definitely do a sit down anyway.
1: But yeah. yeah. Oh,
5: at some point we'd like to interact hang with out. the people. Yeah.
4: So Millman, uh, I know you're in the U S at the time that we're recording this. You're just going to have to come back to the U S in June.
5: In Australia. <laughs>
4: yeah. That's where he, well, he's, he's here right now, but uh, uh, flights are cheap. He's in the Midwest. <laughs> 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 Buy
1: your flights now, everybody.
5: But yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us. Um, When I get home, I'll record a synopsis of what's happened up to this point that we can insert in. It'll be very concise and well thought out, not improvised right now. (laughs) Uh, And this is another great place to catch up. Uh, Episode eight is a really good one to jump in. If this is your first episode or you need ones to refer to a friend, that is the beginning of the grand proving. Uh, There is episode 53, which is our anniversary special. Um, That is where we kind of start things over with new music. And it's a good lead in. Episode 23 is our first League of Ultimate Questions. And now this one. Uh, So thank you all so much. We love you all. We want to keep growing and questing together. But until next time, we wish you luck.